It's TechBiter Worldwide with Bill Flynn. The latest on programs and policies, helpful hints, and a bit of occasional nonsense, all in more or less plain English. Podcast number 864 for the 12th of January, 2024. This week, we don't run out of disk space as often now as we did in the early days, but you might wonder about discarding some old junk even if space isn't a significant problem. Several utilities are available to help you identify the junk. In short circuits, scammers work hard to earn your trust, then they steal your money. A Washington Post article about a retired federal scientist who has built out of her life savings is a cautionary tale, and we all need to be on the lookout for thieves. Microsoft's built-in screen capture tool has improved, now including the ability to capture video sequences, but it still lags behind both commercial and open source applications. Computers come with larger disk drives every year, and still we manage to run out of space. Just as closets are never quite large enough, disk drives never seem to be adequate. Once we made do with computers that booted from a floppy disk that held 360 kilobytes of data. If we were lucky, we had a second floppy disk where we could store files. By 1982, those five and a quarter inch disks held an astounding 1.2 megabytes each. I fought the disk space battle until a few years ago when I added enough disk space to be adequate forever. Yeah, I've done that before, maybe you have too. So far, though, it's working. In addition to the computer's boot drive, there are four external drives with a combined capacity a little over 11 terabytes. I calculated how much disk space I had, how much I thought I might need in the next several years, and then doubled it. Barring disk failure, this might be the solution that lasts as long as I do. But I remember a time when I seemed to run low on disk space every year. Trying to identify files I could delete to save space took a lot of time. That's because it was a very manual operation. Today there are utilities that will pinpoint files that consume the most disk space. One is a free open source application, the other is not. Let's take a look, but before we do that, maybe checking into some built-in options would be helpful. The Windows File Explorer shows the size of each attached drive and how much space is free, both numerically and as a bar graph. Uh, but that's it. There's really no way to tell which files are consuming the most amount of space. There's a PowerShell command, you'll find it on the TechBiter Worldwide website, you can copy and paste if you like, that'll give you a summary of the space consumed by files on a disk drive or in a directory. But again, it doesn't offer any clues about which files are the largest. There is a way to identify large files using the command line. Navigate to the drive or directory that you want to test, and then use the command you'll find on the TechBiter Worldwide website. There are a couple of them, one that will list files that are larger than 100 megabytes, and one that will list files that are larger than 1 gigabyte. Windows 11 users will find a new feature in the File Explorer. There's a little search box, and if you type size, colon, greater than symbol, 100 space MB, you'll get a list of files that are larger than 100 megabytes. By the way, the colon there is essential. If you omit it, the File Explorer will look instead for files that have the term size in the file name. 
Unlike the command line option, the search shows the size of the file and its precise location. Okay, so let's take a look at the two dedicated disk explorers. WinDurstat is free. It's an open source graphical disk usage analyzer. It can be used to analyze all disks on a computer if you have all day, or an individual drive, or even a specific directory. The more included directories, the longer the time required for the analysis. In analyzing all of the drives on my computer, the process ran for nearly two hours. When the analysis is complete, Windurstat shows a subtree view with disk use percentages at the top of the screen and then a graphical display in the window on the lower half of the screen. As unneeded files are identified, the user can manually delete them from Windurstat. Advanced users can create up to 10 custom cleanup commands that can be run on folders or files. If you find OneDrive is cluttered with a lot of large files that could be stored elsewhere, creating a custom script can perform the task of moving them. Windurstat runs on any version of Windows all the way back to Windows 95. It's an amazingly useful utility, particularly in light of the fact that it is free. Or consider Spacemonger from EdgeRunner. It's available for $15 from Stardock, and it is included in Stardock's Object Desktop Suite. Unlike WinDurstat, Spacemonger doesn't have an option to check all disk drives attached to a computer, but that's not really a problem because most users will want to scan just a single drive or perhaps even a single directory. Scanning an entire computer or even an entire drive could consume a lot of time. When the scan is complete, Spacemonger will show you a tree map view or a statistics view. An option is also shown for cloud-based files, but I couldn't get that feature to work with Microsoft's OneDrive and saw no way to add Google Drive. The object being scanned is shown near the top of the screen, and the user can switch between the tree map and the statistics view. To see specific files, enter a partial file name or an extension in the search box, and the files will be displayed in the lower half of the screen. If a file can be previewed, it will appear at the right of the file list. Options for the graphical display are offered at the top of the display. The choices are physical display that organizes files by space used, logical display that organizes files by their apparent sizes, and both the physical and logical views are very similar. There is the uniform display, which shows all files as the same size graphically, and puzzle pieces displays most files the same size, but larger files are shown slightly larger. And there's a file folder view that displays folders large and files small. Using the mouse or icons at the left of the virtual display allows zooming in on directories and files. Double-clicking a file in either the graphical or text view will open it. The statistics view shows how many files exist in various size ranges and how much disk space they consume. In the example you'll see on the TechFighter Worldwide website, there's drive H, one file in the 4 to 8 gigabyte size range, a music video from a long-ago 6th grade performance my younger daughter participated in. There are 43 files that range in size from half a megabyte to one megabyte. Collectively, they consume 38 gigabytes of space. And there are 5,244 files sized 2 to 4 megabytes, taking up 14 gigabytes of space on the drive. 
When you take a look at the TechBiter Worldwide website, note that Drive I, which is called miscellaneous, is displayed in red. That's because less than 20% of the drive space is currently free. It's wise to start looking for files that can be moved or deleted when space available is less than 20%. This becomes critical when the drive reaches 15% or less. Double-clicking any of the bar graphs displays the files in the size category. Double-clicking any of the file names opens the file. This is a pretty clever little utility, and it's not particularly expensive. Take a look at it. If you find these podcasts useful, and I hope you do, might you consider a donation? There are no ads here, and support from listeners is the sole source of income. It's easy. Just visit the website and click the Donate button near the top of any page. You can make a one-time donation or schedule a repeating donation every month. I thank you. And so does the cat. In short circuits, the most wonderful time of the year has just passed for scammers, but the creeps, crooks, and thieves and con artists are busy all year. We can't avoid them, but we can outsmart them. The Washington Post had a long and distressing article by Michael Laris on the 14th of December. The link you'll find on the TechBiter Worldwide website is what the newspaper calls a gift article link. It will bypass the paywall. Laris describes the process by which a retired National Academy of Sciences employee was scammed out of the $600,000 in her retirement account. She may even have to pay taxes on the withdrawal. The unfairness of the tax ruling aside, how could someone with a doctorate degree, someone who worked for the National Science Foundation, someone who is clearly not stupid, be taken for her life savings? What would you do if your screen was suddenly filled with a message that claimed to be for Microsoft and says your computer has been infected with a virus? The message is accompanied by the sound of a siren and a voice urges you not to shut off the computer, but to immediately call the toll-free number on the screen to reach Microsoft support. Well, as the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy said, don't panic. Instead, stop for a moment. Turn the sound down read the message. Or wait, actually you can just cut to the chase if you remember that Microsoft never, ever, ever, never, never displays a message like this. To me, that's the key consideration. You know the message is a scam from the instant it appears on your screen because you know Microsoft doesn't do this. But okay, let's look at the message. A quick glance shows several clues that the message is a phony. If you close this page, your computer access will be disabled to prevent further damage to our network. Well, Microsoft doesn't own the Internet. The statement is absurd at every level. Your computer has alerted us that it has been infected with a pornographic spyware and virus. The following information is being stolen. And then it lists several things. Now, this is a minor point. But Microsoft employs intelligent public relations professionals who know that there is no reason to capitalize pornographic spyware as it was done in the message on the screen. 
The rest of the message refers to Facebook as Face Space Book. It's not a two-word thing. Facebook is a one-word thing. It's, again, a small point, but an obvious sign that the message is not legitimate. That, of course, is in addition to the fact that we already know that Microsoft never, ever, ever sends messages like that. So, questions you should be asking yourself. Did this message pop up in a browser? Does sound accompany the warning? Are you being warned to act immediately? Does the message claim to be from Microsoft? Are any words misspelled, or is any of the punctuation a bit wonky? If you answer yes to any of those, it is a scam. But now what? Phyllis received a message like this a few days ago. She brought the computer to me because she recognized it as a scam but wasn't quite sure how to get rid of it. Scammers are pretty good at hiding obvious ways to shut the scam down, but they can't hide the three-finger salute. Nothing can force the computer to ignore Control-Alt-Delete. So I pressed Control-Alt-Delete, chose the task manager, selected the process tab, found the browser that was displaying the scam message, and killed it. Problem solved. You may want to reboot the computer at that point, but that's rarely necessary. So what happens if you call the number? Well, nothing good. It could play out this way. The supposed support person you reach asks you to install an application such as Arrow Admin or TeamViewer. Now, these are legitimate applications that are used by support organizations, so the technicians can use your computer as if they're sitting in front of it. The scammer may then try to sell you overpriced and largely useless protective software subscriptions. If that fails, they could promise to clear the current problem, which really doesn't exist anyway. Either way, the crook will install other malware that can seek out and send information about you to a remote computer. The malware might also make changes on your computer so that when you attempt to log onto your account at, for example, a bank, it'll be passed through the crook's computer. The crook then has your account number and information about balances in your account, your username, your password. So now the crook can make a convincing phone call claiming to be from your bank. That won't happen right away. Scammers usually wait a couple of days so that the victim won't associate the call with the computer problem. But the caller knows your account number, and the call seems legitimate. The scam varies, but the main point will be that you need to move your money out of your account because there's some problem, and they'd like you to put it in a special hidden account for protection, of course. As soon as the bank solves the security problem, the funds will be restored to your account. But of course they won't be. Once the funds are out of your account, the money is gone, and because you initiated the transfer, there's no recourse. The money is simply gone. Check out the Washington Post article for the full story of how the scammer who ran this con made off with more than half a million dollars from someone who had worked more than four decades to accumulate it. Don't let this happen to you. Version 23H2 of Windows 11 includes advancements to the snipping tool. One big plus is that it can now capture short videos, but even moderately serious users will be better served either by a commercial application such as Snagit or by an open source application like GreenShot or ShareX. Improved screen capture was introduced in Windows Vista, then upgraded to Snip and Sketch in Windows 10, and now to the snipping tool. 
This has been more than a little confusing as Microsoft merged the legacy applications, all of which can be referred to with the same name. If the snipping tool isn't installed, you can obtain it from the Microsoft Store, or you can download it from Microsoft's website. There's a link on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The new app has expanded capabilities. Select a standard rectangle or use a free drawing mode. You can capture a window or the entire screen. Video is a welcome addition, and the snipping tool comes with an editor that can be used to crop, annotate, save, and share screenshots. One problem I found on some computers is that the editor, which should open automatically and immediately following a capture operation, sometimes doesn't. Another annoyance is where the app stores the images. You'll find them in your user profile directory under pictures in the directory called screenshots. There may be a way to modify that location, but it's not in the limited configuration settings. Using the snipping tool is easy enough. Open the app or press the Windows key, Shift and S, that's the shortcut, and one of the configuration settings lets the user define print screen as the key to start the process. After the screenshot or video is captured, an editor should open, doesn't always, but it should. This works properly on some computers, not on all. The developers will probably figure it out eventually. In the meantime, you can configure the app to place the captured image on the Windows clipboard. If you simply need to paste an image into a document or an email, that may be all you need. Or if you need to edit the image, open any image editor and paste it there. That might be the better solution, even when the developers solve the problem with the editor that's unwilling to open consistently. Anybody who needs more advanced capabilities will be better served by an application such as TechSmith's Snagit for $63, or by free open-source applications such as GreenShot or ShareX. There are links to all of those applications on the TechMiter Worldwide website. All of the applications include an editor function that works properly and offers better functionality than the snipping tool. Overall, it's a good step for Microsoft, particularly the addition of that video capture function, but it's just not enough for those who need to capture frequent screenshots. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn. There's more on the website, techbiter.com, and if you have a question or a comment, use the contact link you'll find there. Stop by again next week for another session.